Hey, everybody. Welcome to Prep Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about Arizona aggregate expenditure limit. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm Marcus. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Prep Hour. Aggregate expenditure limit. Let's do it because we've <laughs> it's been two weeks now because we yeah. didn't talk we didn't have a podcast last week. All right, I, I, I'm gonna Pete. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer all my time to you on this. Okay. <laughs> the Can Arizona aggregate expenditure limit, not to be confused with the Keynesian aggregate expenditure limit, which uses consumption spending, investment spending, government spending, and net exports to cumulatively uh, created GDP for a nation, we're talking about the spending limit that Arizona schools can use. So the aggregate expenditure limit, or the AEL, is a constitutional amendment that was passed by voters, and it <laughs> seems like ages ago, 1980, which created a spending limitation for school districts based on the aggregate expenditure of all districts, so it's all districts combined. So this limitation excludes, Marcus, you're going to love this, charter schools and only applies to district public schools. So what Arizona had last year, which Michelle Ugenti-Rita, we, even, we even used her quote, educational terrorists. Yes, yes. She said that we were holding the state hostage for some reason because... The state, okay, so this is what's going on. The state has appropriated $1.3 billion for education spending. So imagine you're told you have $1.3 billion to spend, but halfway through it, you're told, eh, maybe you don't. So governing boards have created budgets and this is everything. So we're talking sports. We're talking um, AVID programs. We're talking STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, and man management program or uh, um, mathematics programs. We're talking about East. Uh, we're talking about uh, vocational programs. We're talking about everything. Special education. They are being told most schools will have to cut their budgets by seventeen percent. So that means the largest school district in Arizona, Mesa, would have to cut, if this does not get passed by March, would have to cut $74 million out of their budget. Flagstaff School District would have to cut $20 million. Gilbert Public Schools would have to cut $34 million. Scottsdale would have to cut $30 million. I mean, we're talking huge amounts of money that would have to be cut. This is not a, oh, a teacher or a couple teachers out of this program are going to lose. We're talking huge sections of special ed, STEM programming, uh, orchestra, sports. These things are going to have to get cut. And this happened a year ago. And the Republicans said, well, we're not, we're not bowing to these educational terrorists we're not going to do this and then schools basically told voters 
your kid's band program, we're cutting it. Sports, tennis, gone, right? We're getting rid of all these. And then parents went, oh, shit, this isn't a joke. And all of a sudden, these legislators got calls from their constituents saying, you need to pass this limit. So superintendents in Arizona have begged Governor Ducey to create a special session. This is back in September. They've been asking... Actually, the summer they've been asking him, will you please get the legislator, uh, legislature together to pass an override on this limit so that we can use all of these funds? Nothing. Nothing has happened. So and again, they're going to do... My take on it is that Republicans, one, have learned nothing from this election. They have mm-hmm. learned nothing from what their constituents told them. And these are not Democrats that called them. These are Republicans that called them and said freaking past the goddamn limit would you so it needs two-thirds of the state legislature to pass a yes vote on yes schools can exceed the limit so if they don't do this by march school districts have to cut all of these they have to cut 17 percent of their budget that becomes a problem because as we go into winter break (laughs) administrators are going do we keep these programs or not because the fiscal year begins in March or April, and they need to know, am I going to have the funds to fund these programs that apparently all the parents like because they're putting their kid in the school? So it's a bargaining chip. Honestly, I think Republicans are saying, let's keep this in our back pocket and we'll use it when we want something, which I think, you know, honestly, I know politicians play their games. I get it. Democrats do it. Republicans do it. But when you're putting a child's program or education and using that as a bargaining chip, that is really a shitty thing to do because a lot of programs are going to get cut. Some schools will say, nah, it'll get passed. We're going to just keep this program. It'll get passed. Other school districts do not have that luxury, and they're going to say, let's just cut it and hope it passes, and then we'll start the program up next fall. And so students are going to go without. Can I can I clarify something? And Mr. Econ, you can correct me if this is incorrect. Yeah, let um, me put my glasses yeah, on. There you here. go. So we're talking about a limit on how much the schools can pass. It's it's written into our state constitution. I'm sorry, how much our our schools can spend? Yes. Yeah, so they passed a budget, right. and what they passed and, was, oh, you can spend one point one point three or one point one. I can't remember the exact. It's one point one, one point three um, billion dollars over what we have allotted for you. So they're basically like, you have this money, but the limit says, but you can't spend it. That, that's what I want to emphasize is that money's already been allocated. Has it not? Yes. So the schools have already been given the green light to go spend this money Correct. until the AEL, the aggre- aggregate expenditure limit kicks in and until they exceed that. So, yeah. so these, these politicians of a system yeah. is that, well, okay, so why? That's my question. As I look back and I look at the date of the plan, it was 1980 is when this thing was implemented. So, what was the intent? So, the intent was the history of it was Arizona vo- Arizona voters were upset that school districts were constantly overspending their budgets. So, uh, Prop 301, yeah, the 301 was passed in in 1980 to say, well, we're going to cap it. So you can't spend more than this. So basically it was telling schools, 
get your freaking financial house in order. I think it made sense at the time for voters because they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that makes sense. They're just, like a lot of people think, it's government. They're just spending money. They don't care about, right? I think Milton Friedman said, you know, if the government's buying the Christmas gifts, they don't care how much it costs. So I think voters were like, well, yeah, they need to make sure that they're paying attention to what they're spending their money on. And then what it was supposed to do was it would it would be adjusted every year based on the previous year enrollment for all schools. So it's not just your district. So you could be like, oh, my district went up and and inflation has gone up. It doesn't matter. It looks at the aggregate. So it looks at all school districts. Are they do they need to spend more? And now we know with what we just talked about with parents with Infinite Campus and Chromebooks and allowing parents to have more information and to be privy to what is going on inside the classroom, which are all good things that costs money. And so school districts spend more money. Schools are different than what they were back in the eighties and nineties. We have a lot more technology and that technology is expensive. We're just spending more. We have a lot more special education and special education is not what it was. But when I was in school, if you were in special education, it was like, oh, you're in special education. <laughs> like, oh, there's, wow, man, you must be really messed up, basically, is what people thought. Nowadays, it's like, oh, I'm on a, I'm a, I'm a 504 program, or I'm an IEP program, or I'm a, you know, these are, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say normal, but, you know, you might be surprised at some of the students who are on or in the special education program where you're like, oh, I, I didn't think you were struggling. It's like, no, oh, I got... You know, so our special education programs have expanded, which again is a good thing. Yeah. But again, it costs a lot of money because you need specialized instructors and specialized programs for that. So also, we didn't have people getting shot all the time when I went to school. So there's a lot more safety. Um, You know, just to put up a chain link fence around a football field. Yeah. We're talking. In excess, we're talking anywhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. So now we're putting wrought iron fencing around an entire school. We're talking millions of dollars. Security cameras, security glass, extra police. I mean, these are all things that are going into our educational mental system. health resources, mental health resources to make sure that people don't shoot up their schools. And now we're talking about it even for teachers. Like, mm-hmm. should we have? Mental health professionals there for teachers mm-hmm. uh, was an article that I read the other Phoenix day. Phoenix Union or somebody had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are these are expenses, and for all of you constitutionalists out there, it's called the Tenth Amendment. The federal government is not responsible for this. States are responsible for this. So of course, it is one of the largest expenditures that we have as a state, being public welfare, transportation, public security, and and education. So I know people say, oh, we spent a lot of money on education. It's like, well, that's left to the states, and that's what we do. That's, you know, and that's important to our economy. Well, and to your point about special education, literally 10% of the population in public education are are, are 10% of students in education are are in special ed. Yeah. So that's a a much bigger percentage than I realize. But, you know, then I was thinking too, Pete and Marcus, as you guys were saying this, is let's just say worst case scenario, the quagmire, you know, rears its ugly head in March. Again, it goes back to our parental involvement and, and, and to sum this thing up. And in, in my terms, 
do peer do parents really do parents or the community realize all the services that are provided by a school? No, I don't think they have any clue. No, and and I look at again. I'll go back to COVID. I don't even have. You I don't know, even none know. Of us do. None of us do. None of us do. And I, I go back to COVID, and I look at you know the Sherman Sherman's Fifth Army would have been pretty proud of what public schools were able to do in very short order as far as getting these kids online. And then I look at oh, a lot of the community centers within a public school are providing the the, the students meals they're providing them uh computers because they weren't they didn't have the availability or hot spots whatever the case may be and so there's here's my worst case scenario i'm thinking let it go yeah. let parents find out you know what that band's not gonna be around that drama's not gonna be around because all these things that parents take for granted that their communities provide are now going to disappear and i there's a part of me it's like you want to push an envelope go right ahead yeah. See, see what happens. Well, it's, it's not just the services that you get within your school. Think about all the different um, organizations that utilize schools, right? So, okay, well, my kid doesn't play sports at the school. My kid plays in club ball. Okay, maybe they play at the the city um, fields or leagues or whatever. A lot of times they play at school fields. Okay, yeah. so you take that money away, those fields are not going to be kept up. Um, really, the cost life. or the cost for those fields is going to go, go way up, up yeah. right? Um, you, things like relay for life or other volunteer blood drives, half the freaking donations in this, in our state come from freaking high school blood drives. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we, that kind of stuff goes away when you take as big of a hit, um, as you're, as you're describing. And another thing that I wanted to say, Mark, which your, your wife said, I think in our episode four or whatever it was, is the fact that students seek what did she say? You know, it, it's like thousands of kids go to bed hungry, but millions of kids go to bed seeking recognition. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but schools give kids the opportunity to be recognized, whether it's in clay or art or woodworking or welding or foreign language or band or football or sports or glee club or debate club or academic decathlon. I mean, they're finding these are things that are going to get cut. And so when you cut them, you're cutting avenues for students to be recognized for maybe it's menial, maybe it's something small, but for them, it means a lot. It's a connection. Yeah. It's a connection. Well, and can we say too, and you're just making me think of this, we're talking about all these programs, and of course we're talking about school districts that can already afford it because of how our, our funding works, right? With our certain school districts can, already can't afford that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what happens to those school districts when they get these cuts? Because those school districts are still going to have money cut out of those districts. So what seriously critical things, I don't want to say the arts and arts and everything, it's extremely important, but what other things that are extremely important are going to be cut from school districts that already don't have the means to provide that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're all- Holy crap. And, and that's the thing is- we have we have cut so much fat we have we have tightened our belts in Arizona for public schools so much and charter schools charter schools are hurting too yeah. i mean they won't say anything but they're hurting too we have dieted so much that there's no more fat to cut our belt is cinched in the only way now to cinch that belt any tighter with this aggregate expenditure limit is to break out the knife and start cutting. You're just going to have to start cutting stuff. Yeah. And and already things have already been cut. So, it's just going to be it's just going to be worse. So, 
I guess what we're saying to you is whatever your political affiliation, your kids' programs are going to get cut. You need to contact your state legislature. It, they, you don't even need to be a constituent of the Call everybody. Leave a message. I guarantee, I know for a fact, because I've worked as a precinct committee person, these politicians, they know what a normal level of contact is with the public. And when letters and messages start to rise up and they start seeing their, their aides start telling them, people are pissed off. Mm-hmm. Legislators listen and they say, okay. And especially after this election, Republicans might listen a little bit more of if you want to get voted back in. If you did this election cycle, you got lucky. If you want to get voted back in, you need to pass and you need to reform this because this this every year trying to pass and allow schools to spend more money you need to figure i don't know what the program yeah i don't know what the program is that you need to do but that i didn't get elected to office so that's your that's on you no i I don't know what the change 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 the law on the books that let's be done with the raising it constantly yeah and i was to say i just don't understand the end game that's my problem like i i I mean pete you touched on in the beginning about budgeting and everything else but i go back to well the state legislature is properly funded schools guess what we wouldn't be in this situation to begin with and when exactly, left, yeah, it wouldn't be left up to school districts say, "Hey, we need an override this year," and that's really the crux of the problem. Is states are not funding schools. Well, well the the funny thing is, is you could alone. completely fund it. You could completely fund it, but if the state legislature says, "But you can't spend it," right? It doesn't. Right, right. You could say on paper, "We fund our schools better than any other state," but it's it's like saying, "Hey, you won the lottery." You know, this guy over here has five hundred million dollars. But you know the rules say that you can only get you know five hundred bucks. <laughs> right. It's like it's okay. Bizarre. Right. It's very bizarre. It is. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been a long podcast episode, uh, but I think it was. Uh, we can make it two podcasts. We could make it two podcasts. Two po- podcasts. Yeah, two pod. Two podcasts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. We've got a lot of work to do. Pete, please follow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Prep Hour Podcast. We'll see you next time. Stay curious.